Hello and welcome to the Jesus Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Lena Elsia Lee, also known as Lena the Jesus Witch on TikTok and Instagram. The Jesus Witch Podcast is a show dedicated to opening the conversation about including Jesus in witchery practices. The goal of this podcast is to not be evangelical. The goal is to spread the love, light, truth, acceptance, and oneness that is Jesus Christ himself. Here at the Jesus Witch Podcast, we believe all people are loved by God and all people are loved by Jesus. We believe in community and the power of fellowship. We believe in giving whatever you reasonably can to help your neighbor who's in need. And above all, we believe in the power of creating a relationship with Jesus that is authentic and unique to you. Join me for new episodes of the Jesus Witch Podcast every single Monday and be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. This week on the Jesus Witch Podcast, I have with me Chelsea and Tens. Hello, guys. Hello. Thanks for having us. Oh, we're so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you guys here. This is the first time I've interviewed two people at once, so this will be interesting. Oh, Oh, yeah. I think this is like a huge crossover. Like, I really love this because I think we all, like, Ten and I practice this in the same way, but you practice so differently, but Ten and I are also different. So, and then there's similarities between me and you, Lena. So, I think this is going to be an interesting episode for the podcast listeners and our listeners from sticks and bones so oh my god yeah because I watch Lena's stuff and I'm like I I have been like I'm ready to be like yeah I can I can do this like healing my religious trauma one one TikTok at a time absolutely (laughs) (laughs) no I love that but um Chelsea and Tens also have a podcast theirs is called sticks and bones um so I will leave the link for that in the show notes page as well as like links to follow them on social media but why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Like, who who are each of you? What do you do? Like, that good stuff. Sure. I'll go first. I'll, I always like to go first. <laughs> like, let me get it over with. <laughs> um, but hello, my name is Chelsea. I am CL Cathonic Witch on social media platforms. Um, I am a practitioner. I practice witchcraft. I'm also a professional psychic medium. I am a seer and I really specialize in death witchcraft, death work. Um, and I'm also an Italian folk practitioner, which I know is a really stark contrast. And we are going to talk about it on this episode. Um, but I do spiritual work full time. Ted and I own a metaphysical store called Evoking the Shop. And we also, like Lena said, run our own podcast where we dedicate to teaching about death um, in hopes to remove the fear around it. So that's me. That's cool. How yeah. depends. Uh, I'm 10. I am an archaeologist and an art historian, uh, currently finishing up my PhD in Bronze Age weaponry, but I am a chaotic death worker, and it's been really interesting to pair spirituality, witchcraft with histories of the past and kind of finding that link um, that, you know, people have been practicing spirituality, witchcraft, and magic for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So I'm really about kind of bridging, um, mystery and mythology with actual history. That is like the coolest, like, part. And I think that's where you and I align because I like to find the actual archaeological evidence of the Bible and the biblical times and see how they were actually practicing the religion. And it's faith on that. fascinating. It is fascinating. And I learn a lot from 10. And when we talk about it on our podcast, um, because I also do study like Greco Roman um, practices, necromancy, and I find it fascinating how ancient people practice. So mm-hmm. we're trying to bring more of that to life to be like, this is magic spirituality history archaeology they all go together and i don't know when it got so weird when it got separated and people are like witchcraft what is that people have been doing it forever yeah 
I think honestly, I think if that was an American thing, like once the it came to the United States, I think that's where the uh, split happened in the colonies. I would 100% agree with that because prior to people coming over to the new world, mm-hmm. everything was kind of folk traditions. Everything was kind of kept, the magic was kept in family lineages mm-hmm. and it wasn't straight up called magic and witchcraft, but it was superstitions. It was superstitio. It was all of this kind of stuff. And you see it throughout even like the biblical lands too. Oh, all the, yeah, all the time. You see like different, in, in Genesis, um, Joseph, one of the, the earliest stories of divination that I could think of is Joseph in Genesis, where he was using a silver cup to help predict yes. <laughs> stuff like that. Like it's all over the place. And then it gets crazy in, um, in the archaeological record when the second temple period is occurring. And you have to realize not everybody in Israel, Assyro-Palestine, can get to that temple. Like, not everybody is rich enough to go make sacrifices. So there's folk magic happening at sites like Tel Dan and with standing stones to represent perhaps even Yahweh and Asherah, all of that kind of stuff, which again, opens another can of worms. I was just going to say, Lena, I saw you post a book about, um, did God have a wife? And Ted and I talk about this all the time. Like our Patreon members know people that follow us for a long time. We talk about Asherah all of the time. And like, why is she not in the Bible? Why is she not in the Bible? Why not? Oh, my, my old professor, uh, Dr. Deaver, who wrote, did God have a wife? He will go off about her all the time. And it's just like, she existed. We have Asherah poles in the archaeological record. We have depictions. Where is she? Where is she? Why isn't she? It really starts in, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. It starts in Deuteronomy. Where yes. <laughs> that was a book that came later and it was starting to like erase the whole history of her. And if you read the verses about Asherah in the Bible um, before Deuteronomy, they're pretty neutral towards her. Yeah. Deuteronomy hits, it's negative. It's like, where, what happened there? Oh, that, that book, When God Has a Wife. But if, you know, what was it? When God Had a Wife, that book. Oh, that's, that's why if you want to like deconstruct and, and learn more about a goddess, go read that thing. That's crazy. He was your professor. Oh, he's my professor. I dug with him and his wife. Um, he is a fantastic scholar. And since he's heavily focused in like the Holy Land region, um, knowing his work at other sites throughout Syria, Palestine and Israel, like he's done so much work and he is an amazing person. That That's like my, my like, I can't because that's like, that's also like, and not only am I vested in it because like, obviously I'm a Jesus witch, but I'm actually Palestinian. That's where my family's from. Oh, really? Yeah. They originate in Bethlehem specifically. <sighs> this is very close to like. <laughs> to home. Close to home a little bit. Even my Italian ancestors, they probably came from that region as well. Right, right. Yeah which is really interesting. But anyway, that's, wow. Okay. That was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess without like a organic segue, we, I want to have you guys, I wanted to have you guys on the podcast to specifically talk about death work and death witchery. So like, is there a difference between the two of those? So yeah, we were just talking about this before the podcast and there is a stark difference between death work and death witchcraft. So I'll start time. I'll have you finish it because I know we have two similar, but like also maybe different explanations, but I would say that anybody can really do death work. Um, as long as you are trained and you know what you're doing, death work is actually, um, 
crossing over souls. It's educating about death. I would actually even go as far and say that it can be in the physical hospice nurses, nurses in general, doctors. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are death workers to me. Um, Those that really help people in their last moments of life. Um, I would even say like in the Catholic church, I know last rites, like when a priest comes in, that's death work to me when you're giving someone the last sacrament of last rites. Um, Death witchcraft is a little bit different. That is incorporating the dead in your work. So it could be necromancy. um, It could be using graveyard dirt. It can be, you know, actually having a spirit help you um, in your spell working. So that is how I envision the difference and not everyone practices both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would 100% agree with that. Like, for me, I think in the physical, if you take away spirituality from it, yes, doctors, hospice workers, um, anything like that, people who come as even aides to elderly people, like, that is also death workers. Um, in my wow. own academic work, I would say archaeologists are also yes. death workers. We are, unfortunately, uncovering remains of deceased individuals from thousands of years ago but we're placing it together in a uh socio-cultural um image that we are trying to reconstruct the past of what this individual may have gone through and what can their bones tell us what can all of the physical remains tell us about these individuals and i think it's about just kind of re-educating people on it taking away any fears mm-hmm. which I would 100% agree that the last rites coming in, yes. it's help kind of overcome that fear of death because mm-hmm. I think so many people, you hear it growing up, like death is the end. Death is kind of like, it. it's final. Mm-hmm. But as a death witch and a death worker, you know that's not true. And it's I think so- it's about opening it up, having these conversations, leading with love and re-education on it. Mm-hmm. And death witchcraft I would also say incorporates venerating ancestors. Yeah. Yes. A lot of my clients um, will say like for like spiritual pathing and stuff, they'll be like, I'm really nervous about death work. I'm like, okay, we're going to start with ancestor work. We're going to start with ancestor veneration. Um, that kind of stuff. You see it on Dia de los Muertos. Like you are celebrating and venerating the deceased. And that is death work. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, reanimation or doing divination with them via necromancy. It can be just having an image and lighting a candle next to it. Yeah. Not- I would agree with you. Ancestor work for sure. And I think that's a great place to start if you're interested in death work. Um, a lot of, we get a ton of questions like, how do I do this? Because most of us have mentors. Most of us work with divinities around death in order to learn more. Like this information, Ted and I have learned in our own practice and from studying other belief systems. Um, but you do need to learn somewhere. So if you're interested, I would start with your ancestors and find yes. out what they practiced. Mm-hmm. What were their belief systems around death? Start mm-hmm. there first. That's a very safe, safe place to go. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good piece of practical advice. So that's like, you know, when, when you guys were describing it, I'm like, wow, I actually do like quite a bit of death work. I go to my grandmother's grave very yes. often, like yeah, very often. And I keep her graveyard dirt. Like I, <laughs> the first time I went, I forgot to bring a bag. So I used it like a, a little glove <laughs> gloves that everybody has everywhere because of COVID. So I put like some graveyard dirt in there and I tied it up, but now I have it in spell jars on my altar. And I, I work with with that to like invoke her spirit and I have a candle with her her light on it and that's really just a simple easy death oh yeah lighting. But you're doing it basically I think yeah. you're doing it, <laughs> you're doing it. I, I learned today I am a death witch no 
honestly, that's a piece of it. So yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that they're doing it and there's such taboo around death work and death witch. And people think we're like stirring a cauldron, cackling, like reanimating spirits. It's like, no, it's sometimes just you know, taking care of graveyards, bringing offerings to like graves that have been forgotten about. Some people feel compelled to do it. Um, there's one woman on TikTok that actually, I know time you've seen her, that she, oh, yeah. So yeah. that's death work to me. And she does, she tells you the stories behind the people as well. Yes. Bringing life to somebody that's passed in like the 1800s and sharing their story. Like that probably brings them so much peace and closure to the deceased. So that's yeah. death work to me. So I think there's many different ways you can really like classify well, all it. The, uh, all the people on TikTok, I've seen like a few of them who live down in the South who have been going to like different plantations and like trying to find like the gravestones there and like identify family members and get them in contact with their actual descendants. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's like really cool death work too, right? That would be it's- it's awesome. And everyone, like everyone is so different. It's like a huge umbrella term. So everyone practices differently. Also depends on your culture and like your religion. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's so many different ways you can go with it. It's like witchcraft to me, like witchcraft in general, there's so many different like avenues. Oh yeah. I would say witchcraft itself is like an umbrella term and you can take 30,000 plus different avenues. And we could all say we're different kinds of witches. We all practice witchcraft and everything. And no two practices are alike. No, they're not supposed to be. And that's like the one, like, honestly, the one, my biggest fear with sharing my practice is that somebody else is going to think that their practice has to look exactly like mine. Yeah. That defeats the purpose of having a practice, in my opinion. Like, my practice is going to look different from your practice because I'm a different person than you. I have a different background than you. I have Mm -hmm. a different ancestry than you. I have a different, like you know, life experience in you and having that variation is what makes witchcraft, I feel like so, such like a beautiful quote unquote religion, if you're going to call it that or practice, whatever term you use there, you know what I'm saying? Belief system. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's what makes it important, good or not good or like different than others is that there's not that strict, like you have to do this, 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 and this to oh. look good and, you know, and cross off all those boxes and whatnot. So that's like, it's cool to see that there's a differentiations between your guys' practices, even if you categorize yourselves as the quote unquote same thing, because you're both quote unquote death, death witches. How many times am I going to say that? Quote unquote. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> that was the first time I heard you say it. So it must like went over my head. <laughs> I said it like four times in one sentence. I don't know why. <laughs> That was the first time I heard like it registered to me because you brought attention to it. So don't worry. I think so too. I think I was just like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. And I was just <laughs> <laughs> I was like hearing myself talking, wait a minute. No. But when people get it, they like I, I speak over my own tongue all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um now a quick break from this week's episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast to talk about a few ways you can help support the show. One way you can help support the creation of the Jesus Witch Podcast is to become a supporter of us on Patreon. On our Patreon, there are four different tiers that you could choose from, and they're all named after tarot cards. We have the Fool, the Magician, the Hierophant, and the High Priestess. In the Fool tier, you get early ad-free episodes of the Jesus Witch Podcast, extended show note pages when available, Christian tarot grimoire pages, and access to our monthly community oracle reading. 
In the Hierophant tier, you get everything from the Fool tier. Tarot spreads to help your connection with Christ, Spirit, your higher self. I also like to put out new tarot spreads for each full moon or new moon, Wheel of the Year holiday, and Zodiac sign. In the Magician tier, you also get one Bible-based spell grimoire page each month. This teaches you how to incorporate the Bible into your own spell practice. In the Hierophant tier, you get everything from the Fool and the Magician tiers, as well as a Happy Mail package from me every single month with the ingredients to make a spell, as well as an extra Bible-based spell page for your grimoire. And then you get access to our spellcasting Zoom each month where we do the spell that I sent you together. In the High Priestess tier, you get everything from the Magician, Fool, and Hierophant tiers, as well as an extra Bible-based spell from the Sun and Moon Oily Co. in your Happy Mail package each month, and a one-on-one Zoom call with me every single month to discuss your practice, how you're growing, and any suggestions that I could give to you to help you on your path. Patreon tiers start at $6.66 per month, and you can find the link to that in the show notes page. Another way you can help support the show is by shopping at my Etsy shop, The Sun and Moon Oily Co. Over on the Sun and Moon Oily Co., I offer Bible-based spell oils, ritual bath salts, Jesus witch or Christian witch-specific mystery boxes, and custom spell oils. Over on my Etsy shop is where you can also book different types of readings with me. I offer tarot readings for your inner child, channel messages from Jesus or from Lilith. I also have a listing for general tarot readings. You could grab a soul contract reading between yourself and another person or yourself and a deity that you're working with or curious to work with. Or even grab an astrology reading for yourself or an astrology reading for your kiddos to help you parent them better and more effectively. There's also Jesus Witch merch on my Etsy shop and so many other things that I am planning on adding to my shop. So head over to the Sun and Moon Oily Co. to check that out. Another thing you can do to support the growth of the Jesus Witch podcast is join our Discord community. The Jesus Witch Church is our free 18-plus Discord community where we host Jesus Witch Church services and moon circles. This is your place to ask all Jesus Witch or witchy questions in general and make some really awesome friends. You can find the link to our church in the show notes page. Another free way you could support the Jesus Witch podcast is by sharing this show with a friend and rating it on whatever podcasting app you're using with five stars. Leaving us a nice review really helps get the word out about the show, and don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Another thing you could do to help the creation of the show is send a donation to the Jesus Witch Podcast via Cash App or PayPal. It takes a lot of time and effort for me to create the Jesus Witch Podcast, and getting donations helps me get the support and help that I need to be able to create this type of content for you. Donations also help keep this podcast free to everybody, so if you love this show and the information that's being put out there, please consider sending a donation to my PayPal or my Cash App. The username on both is the Jesus Wedge Podcast, but the link for both of those can be found in the show notes page. And the final way that you could help support the creation of the Jesus Wedge Podcast is by sending me a gift. In the show notes page, I have the link to my Amazon wish list. Everything that I put on this wish list was put there to help create content for you. Simply put, buying things off of this Amazon wish list helps me so that I don't have to purchase them myself. So I can put more of my resources in towards making the Jesus Witch Podcast. If you would like to support the Jesus Witch Podcast by buying me a gift or in any other way, you could find all the links to everything mentioned in this ad in the show notes page. Now let's get back to the show. So that answers the question of like what like is death work, but that what or and death witchery, but what does that like involve? for you like are there specific like spells that you do or like 
like, is there something you do on like a daily basis to involve death into your life? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to go first, Hen, or do you want me to go first? Uh, if you want to go first. Okay. Um, so for me, I actually, I practice every day and that I'm not saying that everyone has to practice every day. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, so for me, my death work consists of, I actually specialize in lost souls, souls that have not crossed over because they're too afraid. So I find them, I come across them and I help them find closure and then I cross them over. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't force them. This is the biggest thing with death work consent is so important. You've probably seen me talk about this on my accounts, um, having ethics and consent, yep. never force somebody to cross over. Um, it makes me sad when they don't want to, but that's their choice. Um, you can try your best, but so that's what I do. Um, I specialize in children, um, which are children spirits, um, and spirits that have just been really old and forgotten about. So, that like really does take a toll on you. Um, but I also specialize in ancestor work. So I talk to my ancestors every day. Um, it is a routine that I have. I am a psychic medium. So I actually get very clear messages from them. Um, I can hear them. And I also re-educate about death and different types of entities. So, and I'm also um, really good with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone loses somebody like in my family, like my grandma just passed in Last, last December? Mm-hmm. When did my grandma die? December? I can't remember. Um, something like what? that. It was December, right, Tan? I think um, so. I was helping move my family through grief and letting them know, like, she's okay. Um, so I do a lot of that type of work, plus mediumship. So I am a professional medium. So I help others get closure. So death work in, like, a different way. <clears throat> that's so cool. See, that's, like, the one thing that I've always wished I could, like, talk to <laughs> And I think I'm, I purposefully can't do it because like I'm meant to have a little bit more of the unknown in death so that I can mm-hmm. like learn how to work through that. You know what I'm saying? Like as, as, as connected, which is like the most ironic thing. Cause I'm so connected with my spirits. Like I can like, I can hear Jesus. I can hear God talk in my ear. Like I li- like, I can hear Paul talk in my ear all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but like at the same time, I have these panic attacks. Like, oh my God, death is the end. Like, I'm just going to go into a black void. Oh, no, that's not true. It's not true at all. Um, I believe in everyone's belief system. So wherever you think you're going to go is where you wind up. I believe in every afterlife. I believe in everyone's belief system. Oh, 100%. Not one, which... I think this is where like my religious trauma comes in because everyone thinks like heaven and hell. I actually don't believe in hell at all. I don't believe in period. Period. It's not a biblical construct. That was something that was added by the Catholic Church. But yeah. there you go. You yes. heard it here. Thank you. You heard Thank it from you. the first <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is. It's not. Yeah. not I would say so. I'm going to take a different approach to death work and yeah. daily practice and not incorporate the spiritual with this because I think there's like two sides to every coin. So do spiritual do daily life activities so as an archaeologist or historian I have you know the work that I do and I do have to draw things for publications where it is human remains it is bones it is different kinds of stuff so trying to re-educate through academia trying to re-educate people on lost practices lost people through like thousands of years who've just been lost to like the tides of time and trying to give these people's their stories back and giving history back to people. Um, also, as a teacher, I teach pagan Roman art history. So I'm trying to teach the next generation of students coming through and trying to make them okay with death and show them that this is what the pagan Romans were doing at this time. But let's look at the uh, 
the people of the Jewish faith and what are they looking at and early Christians at this time and what about people to the north and just kind of show people one we're not all that different and we still believe the same things that occurred thousands of years ago and just make people more comfortable with it but also of course when my husband lost his grandfather last February it was kind of like educating him talking him through it kind of like in a sense like a non-official grief counselor and just kind of explaining like let's work through this because his opinions and views on death have 100% changed like Mm -hmm. he was terrified of death and meanwhile, I was like, I'm ready to go. Like, I want to haul past to all the underworld. Line like, me up. <laughs> Get me on that train. Get me on the death train. This is too hard. Not to be morbid. I'm not, I'm not I, done yet. I'm ready. Like, I'm, I'm, I'll be happy to die when I'm ready. But yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah. more to do here first. I don't want, like, a fast pass to death. But, like, I, I'm ready to, like, have a haul pass to all the underworlds. Because yeah. it's so fascinating. And to hear all my students talk about, you know, their beliefs from their own families and open their minds to what else is out there is, it's so refreshing and so rewarding. Mm-hmm. So there is a physical side to, of course, the very spiritual side of being a medium, helping crossing over souls. And the physical is re-educating and trying to help people through grief and very tough times. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and that's, I, I guess, also we could now qualify grief counselors as, as death workers, too. Being oh, oh, yeah. I think, I think, honestly, like, I, grief is not the part of my practice that I like to do. And I mean, we all have a part of our practice that no. we <laughs> Grief, I struggle with the most because I think I understand death so well that I sometimes can't understand somebody's grief, where I'm like, but they're fine, I promise you. Like, I just spoke to grandma she's okay and then like everyone deals with grief differently and then watching people sometimes they take like a very toxic path to grief but you can't get at them because they're grieving so yeah grief is hard for me and I try my best to understand it and I understand that I'm very privileged where I am a psychic medium and it's easy for me to communicate with the deceased so I sometimes have to remember that where I'm like people can't communicate like I can yeah I have to like really check myself (laughs) yeah no because it is it's like it's you know this is a kind of like a silly example but it's an example my my childhood dog who i had since i was nine he passed away this past april um i'm 25 now so i had him for like 16 years it was a you know good good chunk of time and um that was really like really really hard for me like that's where like this whole like oh my god we're all gonna be stuck in a void like kind of started um for me because he was like he was here and now he's not like yeah what what the heck you know and um, for months and months and months and months, I'm like begging him. I'm like, Teddy, like, dude, like, you gotta like give me some sort of sign. I'm absolutely crazy. Um, and I just felt like the like, dead silence until it was like a point where I was just not so stuck in grief completely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's a point where like, yeah, like I'll think about him too hard and I'll start crying. But like, I kind of understand more why. And, and you know what I'm saying? It's not like a horrible thing anymore. So one day I'm driving and it was 1111 and I look up at the car in front of me and their license plate was 111. And then in front of me, a, a yellow bird swoops down. I'm like, okay, that was Teddy. That was I wasn't even looking for it. I wasn't looking for it. It happened. And then he popped in my mind. And then I was like, okay, like, I understand he's fine. But for some, like, like you said, it's a privilege to have that, to be able yes. to connect yeah. automatically and then like you know I feel like I, I even just had a privilege by getting a bird like four months out you know what I'm saying um, yeah no I totally get that and I have to remind myself and I've channeled pets before Ted and I do mediumship live events where it's the you know, hardest thing is is pet pets. 
that that will that will wreck me up and down like <laughs> yeah i can't i can't even i get like weak because i they're, they're like they're here as like our spirit guides you know they're like physical yes. representations of them you know yeah. so it's like i don't know a pet like and that was my first big death in my life so like (sighs) they're like children and the rainbow bridge I can tell you is actually a real thing like they told us like the rainbow bridge exists and I've seen like uh, my family members have lost pets before and I've seen like my ancestors with their animals like our ancestors are even taking care of them so I hope like if you're listening to this podcast like that brings you comfort like they're not just in like a void and they're not just by themselves like our ancestors will take care of them and oh yeah bridge if you're, let's say, like, I know for a fact, like, my grandfather has all of his dogs and is watching over, like, our deceased cats and everything. So it's, like, and, like, they're over there, like, they cross over a different bridge, but then they meet up with people that they know, and yeah. they find their souls who they need See, to. Okay, so interesting that you say this, because, like, I, like, okay, here's a little crazy little <laughs> tangent. After Teddy died, I've been trying to, like, kind of, like, channel what he saw. Does that make sense? Like, kind of trying to, like, get into that, like, what did you see as you were going? Yeah, like, what was death for him? Yeah, I literally, like, I I see this very faint, very faint pastel, like, kind of place. My other dog, Ella, who passed away a few months before him, that was really his demise was when Ella passed away because she was like his wife, you know. No, you're gonna take me out with the story. I know that gets me the most. And you would think it's humans, it's no, animals. The animals. No, Here comes no. the tears. Oh <laughs> I see like that little like that faint color her and then like obviously like because I because Jesus is my main spirit guide. Like I know everybody has spirit guide. He's like my like number they, one like, that's who i think he like what jesus essentially is he's an ascended master who's a spirit guide right and, uh, so he's like holding her and he's like running up to them and like and then like that and then i kind of and i don't like see this like fade to black i see it kind of fade to white and that's all i get and it's like this really interesting because i didn't see any human besides jesus i didn't see any human souls and i was kind of expecting to see like somebody there yeah know? so for you to say like there's two different that was interesting anyway yes yeah. there is different bridges i know when humans die um there is an actual white light and you're supposed to walk towards it yeah um some people choose not to and that's why i say i specialize in lost souls because they choose to stay here because they usually have like unfinished business or mm-hmm. they die tragically and this is not everybody by the way or suddenly yeah. most people do cross over i just want to say this but yeah. some people don't and we have to like accept that fact and you know hopefully they come across somebody like me and they're like okay i'm ready to go now but usually have to carry out like a last wish for them. But yeah, there's a white light for humans and for animals. I see colors. Like it's usually different colors, very different experience. That's really, mm-hmm. that's really so weird. that makes sense. What you just said. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that was a, that was an interesting tangent. Yeah. That, that, that's, but it's, it, it's cool to have these conversations because like that makes it again, less scary. Cause if you can like start to visualize something beyond like what's tangible here, you know, that kind of helps. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's for me. Uh, I don't know other people. But, um, okay, so we answered what's death work, and then we answered what was, like, what kind of involved in that. But is there any, like, specific death rituals that you do? Like, you know, like, a lot of, like, witches do, like, full and new moon stuff. Do you do, like, specific... <laughs> I'm, like, trying to, like, think of... No, what I'm trying to think. I actually don't. Um... I think it's just so deeply ingrained into my practice. Like there's not actually yeah. a specific ritual. 
I'm trying to think. I don't, I wouldn't say it's like really it, death work. It just is always going. Like, I think that's the best yeah. way to describe it is like every day you wake up and there's always something that can be done because death doesn't stop for anybody. So there's no like specific ritual that I think like I usually do. I'm trying to think even in like my Italian folk practice, I would say no. No. I don't think we, like, I save up for, like, any, like, big to-do thing, no. like a full moon or a new moon. It's kind of just, like, oh, if I need something from, like, my great-grandma, like, I'm going to light a candle by her photo and mm-hmm. kind of, like, leave her some food, like, and offering that kind of stuff. But I don't think I'm kind of, like, every every three months, like, doing something under, like, a night sky or anything like that. Okay. Some other people might like some other yeah. deaths or workers might, and that's totally valid. I just don't personally do that. Yeah. I mean, like, I was, I was curious because like, you know, everybody, I, I personally do like specific things like for the new moon, full moon. That's not Jesus witchery specific. That's just like, you know, like basic witch specific. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I could see, and only because of the day that we're filming on, which is July 3rd, I could see people as, you know, death workers, death practitioners, that kind of stuff if like you're going to someplace on like an anniversary so today is the last day of the battle of gettysburg so Mm -hmm. if a lot of people wanted to go there medium spiritual workers death workers that kind of stuff like i could see going to something on like an anniversary yeah oh that makes that makes sense that makes sense oh my gosh wow like the fourth of july is basically just a big death witch like celebration because we're celebrating all these dead people that created this this country no for sure like that's why i i want to go to gettysburg pennsylvania town i know you've been there but i actually so this is a one thing maybe that i I mean we can see spirits like i can see spirits outside in front of my face like i have sight so i'm afraid to go to gettysburg because not because i love spirits more than i love humans yeah I mean, I, I'm not afraid of them. I just know it would take me out. Like I would be so yeah. tired. I would be talking to like civil war soldiers. It took me out. It, yeah. When you said you went, the first thing I said was, how are you alive? Like, I can't right. believe you went to Gettysburg and did you bring water? Are you okay? I was, I was not okay. I picked a charge. You know, like, it was an interesting vibe. And I didn't even go there when I was like a practicing witch. I went there when I was in an evangelical cult and I was like, wow, this has a weird vibe. Yep. The oh yeah. Arlington has a oh Arlington has a long history too because that was the backyard of you know Lee and everything so oh my god if you look up the history of the Arlington Cemetery um it really picked up after the Civil War during the Reconstruction period and I want to say it was the backyard of Lee but I think it was of um Davis oh wow that's crazy you know I'm looking it up. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it was actually like going up to the yard of Jefferson Davis. But Arlington is also super interesting because it is a national cemetery for uh, veterans who pass away. But because they have run out of room there, they actually have to um, dig up oh. these individuals to make room for um, other high-ranking yeah. officers, that kind of stuff. And you have to have a certain rank, I believe, to be up to, like, be placed in yeah. there, to have the chance to be placed in there. And I remember when my grandfather passed away when I was in high school, um, they had contacted my grandmother and said, we would really like um, Colonel Kellenbarger to be interred in Arlington. And my grandmother was like, there, there's enough going on there. 
I don't want that to kind of happen. And she chose his final resting space today. But I was just like, that's so fascinating that like, that is such a spiritual hotspot on its own. But Mm -hmm. now you're kind of taking people out and re-interning somebody else. And I'm just like, I've never been to Arlington, but I'm like, oh. My first thought is that these military officers would understand that like there needs to be honor placed to the newer generals and whatnot. It's not that they're being forgotten about. It's that other people have come and they've continued the work that they've done. And now it's their turn to have this special place. So mm-hmm. I don't, I honestly don't, I mean, maybe it's cause I'm like a more love and light kind of person. So I, I don't see them as like getting really angry about that. I kind of almost see like them understanding why that yes. was happening. You know what I, mean? I had a different reaction. My first reaction was like, why would you dig up somebody's grave? Like they're resting in peace. I can't, but also I just looked, I looked up the Arlington Cemetery for the podcast listeners, 639 acres of buried people. It's massive. Massive. So crazy. Oh my God. That's another place we'll, we'll have to go. I, I, I wanted to go because I wanted to go see JFK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I brought oh my, my gosh. to go see JFK's grave on the 4th of July. That's, yeah, that's literally... <laughs> That's the type of mom I am. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so interesting, though. Like, I would want to go for the same reason. Like, we're oh my god, I would have hundred percent if I lived on the East Coast as a kid. I would have dragged my mom and been like, "We're gonna go to Arlington, <laughs> oh, yeah. every gravestone, <laughs> and you're gonna read it to me because I'm oh. two and I can't read." <laughs> no, you wanna know what the, the the one you'll like? I used to make my parents go with me to all of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers on the East Coast. There's like seven. I love them. that. <laughs> I love that so much. Are you sure you're not a death worker? Like, I don't know why that is clicking <laughs> in my head. Like, I think this is going to come across in your path someday where, like, yeah, it's going to click. Scared, but you're like, oh, yeah, I want to go read the unknown soldier's yeah, grave. Yeah. It's like, I, that's um, death workers do. Yeah, no, either, either I'm going to become a death worker or I really truly think I was in my past life, I was there during the Revolutionary War. And as a kid, I was extremely obsessed with this time period and, like, would make that's my parents okay. be to Philly every year so I could go look at the Liberty Bell. Oh, hell yeah, Liberty Bell. <laughs> and we would go to Betsy Ross's house and I would like walk there and I'd be like oh yeah, yeah. this is over here this is over here I'd like knew the place crazy crazy yeah. experience. we're based in Pennsylvania so I'm yeah. every time we go to Philly I'm like I got to go to the Liberty Bell I got to see Ben Franklin's house where was it and they like yeah. reconstructed it mm-hmm. <laughs> they do some Philly like there's like that's like one thing like I understand like the foundation of America was not the best but like going there and feeling that like spirit that spiritual energy is like very very different it is like and like the towns that like really keep it like I live in New York which was one of the original colonies Mm -hmm. but I I don't really feel it as much in New York you know what I'm saying like I'll go to like and I you know I grew up in 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 one of the places where there was a huge revolutionary war battle it does not have because I feel like New York it, is so realized and yeah. like, places like Philly and DC have kept it a little bit more like organic. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. crazy. You can, you can absolutely feel the difference. Even in, um, Boston. For Boston. Sure. Boston. I was just going to say this on our um, podcast. I think which podcast episode did we talk about this? I can't remember. We just had this conversation about yeah. going to the Harbor where the tea party happened. Mm-hmm. And like, you just feel like, listen, and I know like, you know, the U.S. is not great right now, but when you go to Boston, you actually feel like a patriot. <laughs> you do. That's the whole thing. The whole thing that I don't think people understand is, like, you go there, and you feel that, like, you. freedom fighting, like, this was what, this was the energy it was supposed to be. Yeah. It was. Vibe right now. No. It's like no. the 17, 
76 vibe of fuck around and find out kind yes. of deal throw the tea in the harbor bitch like that's that's what we're going for oh yeah no it's it's a dump great. it in the harbor <laughs> i can't oh i can't bunker, bunker hill in boston was wild like i'm sure because it, that's the story of like don't shoot because they didn't have enough ammunition oh yes don't and shoot until you see the white of their eyes yep. and i was just like i got i gotta go like i i'm not okay here oh that's a that's a also the uh oh the the there was a, the graveyard in boston where um the the first black man died in the revolutionary war that place has such an eerie space to it. I forgot exactly what it was called. So I went when I was like young. Yeah. I remember being like, why are we here? It feels off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt really, really, really off. I'm Because I'm going to Salem next year. And I went when I was a kid, but I didn't really, like when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, this is stupid. Witches weren't real. <laughs> and now you're plot twist. Plot uh, so I'm excited to see. I definitely got more vibes going to like colonial America as a kid than I did. <laughs> well, I went to um, Salem two years ago and I stayed in a haunted bed and breakfast. This is before, uh, I think three or four years ago, actually, before I can like see. But Salem, actually, I felt the only problem I had with Salem was like the graveyard tours that they do. And now knowing better, like, I feel like they're very disrespectful in Salem. And I'm, this might be controversial, but, and the ghost tours that they have, like, come on, like those people weren't actual witches. It was a war on women and minorities. And it just feels weird in Salem. It, that is, that's a weird, well, my father-in-law and my, my, so my stepmother-in-law, she's, she's a practicing witch. And um, my father-in-law did the 23andMe after this, this event happened, I don't want to tell you about, he did 23andMe and found out that he had ancestors that traced back to Salem. Oh my and God. So when he went to Salem, apparently he went inside one of these metaphysical stores that like claimed to be in like a more haunted space. He got in there and I'm like, he's like, I gotta leave. Like, there's something weird here. Something's wrong. Yeah. Like, and he's like, the whole time we were in Salem, I kept feeling like really nauseous. Like it wasn't right. It wasn't right. And then we figured out that his family member was like executed in Salem. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's That's- ironic that uh, my father-in-law and my husband both ended up with, with witches you know that's so funny <laughs> i love that it's a salem i'm kind of scared to go actually i've never been um but knowing kind of the darker underlying history of the salem trials and everything and Which knowing I'm- what it was really about um it's kind of different and yeah i don't really know how i'm going to feel about seeing people you know doing tours and everything also a good friend of mine her husband had a family member who was tried and executed so it's just yeah. kind of like it's gotten a lot more personal and it's mm-hmm. just like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to separate that because I feel like I'm gonna be picking up on everything crying and then being like this was they weren't witches no, <laughs> no it was disturbing it was disturbing I went with my two friends who weren't witches and like I was like the witch's house isn't actually a house of witches it's where the judge lived that decided to execute innocent people mm-hmm. and there's evidence of it and children oh, it's eerie and children yeah oh yeah no it's definitely it's definitely become like a hotspot touristy mm-hmm. place you know as witches we're going like as a, a group of Jesus witches we're all gonna go I see when we were yeah. like finding a destination I don't fly I do not fly in planes mm-hmm. no so I'm like where can I drive from New York right that's witchy I'm like Salem and yeah. they're like yeah let's go to Salem I'm like okay cool <laughs> if you need any recommendations seriously message me because I have a whole list of things that I did it was it, I had a very good time but like I went on a ghost tour because my friends wanted to go ex-friends by the way 
Um, and <laughs> it just felt like weird. I was like, we left. Like we like we've already discussed started deciding like what are we what do we want to do and what do we not and like one of the main things I'm like I'm not going on a ghost tour like I'm I am one of those people somebody will try to attach themselves to me good like you know what I also don't want to like I just don't like to I mean I I now I understand how like it's kind of gross ethically like to profit off of like spirits haunting a place like kind of weird but I don't know like as like. Why are, if you are working with spirits, if you're a witch of any kind, you're doing divination, right? You are opening yourself up to that other side. Why are you going to put yourself in a place that makes you more vulnerable for some sort of energy to attach itself to you, to take something from you? Like you can ward up and down and like, whatever. Like, I believe personally, I believe like I'm untouchable because, you know, I work with who I work with and like yeah. I have the ones that I have, but also on the same hand, right? I, I, even though I feel like untouchable, I can't be an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there you oh, go. For sure. And we put ourselves in those situations all the time because sometimes we don't have a choice. So, um, yeah, sometimes like, uh, Tan and I talked about this on our podcast where we went to a cemetery and there was an angry spirit there and things transpired, but yeah, like we are heavily protected because I work St. Michael's like my patron saint. So anytime <laughs> something's amiss, I'm like, St. Michael. <laughs> Michael him out too. Like he, like his energy is freaky. It's freaky deaky, especially when he comes in like guns ra- roaring. Like, oh yeah, real, yeah. Real You're just like, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something got caught in my ward the other day, and I felt him in the corner of my room, being like, "Who did it?" Because I got my sword out, and you just know it's him because his energy. And I'm like, "It's okay, I got this. Don't worry, I got it." <laughs> I got this and I was like sorry for that person that's so funny that Michael's like that for you because for me it's Paul like Paul's like somebody's <laughs> messing with you <laughs> yeah no I okay I'm gonna go on a little bit of a St. Michael tangent I cannot stand the what people say about him on the internet I'm like I'm gonna fight everybody that says St. Michael is a terrible he doesn't understand humans doesn't understand anybody how dare you Michael is incredible he is the protector of the century mm-hmm. and I will throw hands for the archangels I really will like they are have helped me so much on my journey so uh see people who say that don't understand who Michael is I'm like what he's intended to be he's supposed to be like God and yes. God is supposed to understand the human condition more than any other entity. So if Michael yeah. is like God, then he needs to be able to understand humans the way that God does. So that's just like, when people say that, then they don't know, they don't know why he was created, like what he yeah. is, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that doesn't make, I have uh, a, a couple of other Christian witches who have the exact same, I'm going to tossle these people when they talk about Michael. <laughs> yeah, don't, oh yeah. Don't, don't you dare talk about Michael, okay? All right, that's all I gotta yeah, say about that. We can't that. throw shade at Michael. We could all throw shade at Paul. That's okay. <laughs> None at Michael. Like the only, I don't even think I threw shade at Michael. I was straight up terrified. I was like, I can't have Archangel Michael, Archangel Raphael coming in. Like Gabriel, thank you. Bye. I can't. Like just from religious trauma, Metatron knocked on my door, waltzed straight in, and I was like, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, I said that to her. I was like, Metatron is the scariest one, and Ted was like, yeah, this is. I met Metatron, and I was like. <laughs> Michael, where are you? <laughs> Maybe that just speaks to like the chaotic ass practitioner I am, but I was just like, Metatron, you're okay. <laughs> no, they're all great. Well, Metatron was a human first. So I like him because he was a human being first. So it's like, 
he has more of that like quote unquote traditional angel story that like you know because at the end of the day when we die we really don't become angels like what people like think. yeah oh yeah oh sorry that doesn't <laughs> happen <laughs> sorry guys but Metatron spoiler alert is the, the exception to that rule yeah spoiler alert you don't you don't become an angel well he has to go through so many trials and tribulations so he deserves that right he deserves to be an angel but honestly would you want to be an angel because they don't really look the way that you think that they look no oh, no oh, God. The biblical no. angels no they're scary everybody look up a biblical angel on google right now the real version not the cherubs they the are real not little biblical babies. angels like the ones that are described in ezekiel tell you and then then you want you want your loved one to be that okay Yes. <laughs> See, I won't work with um anything but the archangels. Like I've already said, I will not work with anyone but the archangels. Mm-hmm. I will not work with and if anyone does work with angels, that's fine. But personally for me, I'm scared. I'm gonna stay over here. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Which is so funny because they're so like as much as they could be about justice magic and like stuff like that, they're really like angels are very love and light. They are created by source to yeah. like do the creators um, you know, fulfill that like whatever we're here to fulfill, whatever we're doing, the mission, the purpose, who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like here for that. So it's funny that you're like afraid of them. <laughs> no, I'm good. I, I'm, I'll stay in my corner with Michael. Like I literally just, anytime <laughs> something's wrong, I'm like, Michael! <laughs> Michael! <laughs> it's like every time we scream Michael, it reminds me of Dwight from The Office. Michael! Yeah, it's me. <laughs> and he, it is me. I am Dwight. Every time I call him, I'm like, <laughs> Michael! <laughs> He does laugh at me sometimes. You do, you because... do it on purpose too, because of the office. Like at least yeah. I do. Like, <laughs> like Michael, <laughs> that poor, poor Michael, poor Saint Michael. He's probably like all of these idiots watching this stupid show and now refer to me this way. Why? Do I know. I... <laughs> well, to be fair, if you do start working with him, you should always lead with respect. I've been working with him for a long time, so he's very used to me. I. I... I'm good at protecting myself, but when it's something unknown, I'm like, okay, so St. Michael's coming with me, right? Because I don't know what we're doing here, and I need protection. (laughs) Yeah, no, well, that's, and I mean, like, I was talking about this, literally, I was recording a podcast episode earlier, and I was, like, saying, like, yeah, with my, with my deities, I'm very informal. Like, they know my personality. Like, they, like, not for nothing, God created me in the womb, right? So, he knew that I was going to be a sarcastic asshole when he created me. So, if he didn't want me to address him that way, he shouldn't have created me that way. Oh, I agree. That's that, you know, but when I'm like dealing with other entities that I don't work with, that don't like person, I don't have that one-on-one relationship with, then I lead with like a little bit more respect, not more respect that I give to God because at the end of the day, like, you know, that's my whatever. The only entity that I tussle with is Loki. He- Oh, do you really? We work with Loki out here in the streets. Oh, oh yeah. He wants me to work with him so bad and For I sure. can't. Like, I'm not allowed. I, you know, like, I have my covenant with God. I can't work with him, but he cannot <laughs> accept this as an answer. I, no, he won't. I didn't know what entity you were going to say, but the fact that you said Loki makes so much sense that he's like, I'm working with you. And you're like, I can't. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to work with you anyway. No, that's really how it feels. I'm like, I don't work with you, Loki. But you know, if I did, <laughs> this was what we would be doing right now. So it's, it's very, um, but yeah, if you ask Loki about me, he'll be like, this girl really pisses me off because I want to work with her and she won't like accept it. And it's really fucking annoying. I'm dying. Well, then this, like, this kind of like segues into the next question I have for you. So like, do you work with the deities as a death witch? And if so, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should go first on this one because I've been answering them all. Go ahead. Um, do you work with deities with death work? Right. 
I kind of blanked on that question. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it and I was just like, nah, Chelsea's going to lead and I'm not going to. Oh, if you want me to go, I will. I absolutely will. Um, So for divinities, deities who you work with, with death work, um, for me, I work with a lot of chthonic underworld deities, um, King Hades, uh, Queen Persephone, Hecate, a lot of the Hellenic underworld. But if you look in other traditions and mythologies you have lady hell who is loki's daughter um you have you know horus who helps in the underworld you have anubis osiris you have a lot of underworld deities even rushef in the mesopotamian uh pantheon so you can work with them in death work and that's where you know chelsea and i will 100 percent agree on is you need a mentor with death work, death witchcraft, and it could be God, it could be Jesus, it could be um, an entity, a divinity like that, or it could be, you know, somebody from a different pantheon, and that's fine. So you can have a mentor as a divinity, you can have a mentor as somebody who's been doing this for quite some time, Um, but outside of you know, death work, you can also have divinities teaching you different types of magic that you are going to incorporate into kind of who you are in your path mm-hmm. and see the, this is like one of the most gratifying things because you're saying you learn from a deity right so obviously mm-hmm. this deity is not like writing out and creating a textbook for you and handing no you know <laughs> that's like a lot of my practice is just based on like what jesus and god have like downloaded into me sort of thing mm-hmm. and it goes from there and so people are like what's your sources i'm like the big man upstairs like jesus told me how to do it and that's that's a valid answer. It can also come from your ancestors because they might be teaching you an aspect of folk magic. And there's no, you can't cite that. You can't put that in a bibliography, unfortunately. Like they told me this through a candle, a spell, that kind of stuff. Like you can't cite that. No, but you can't. it's a very valid answer. And you shouldn't have to disclose that to anybody. Like I work, Hades teaches me a lot. Like I am a devotee to Hades and Persephone and I learn a lot about death through him, but it comes through the Hellenic pagan lens. So that's also another thing. It comes through a different belief system. Um, But yeah, like I suggest to anyone that is interested in this, once again, study different belief systems. What resonates with you? And it could be more than one. That's fine. Just make sure it's not a closed practice, please. I feel like I have to caveat that. We don't do closed practices here. No, and there's too, there's way too many open pantheons for for the excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Connect, connect with your ancestors. And I feel like whatever type of magic they did is where you should start. And it's not where I started, but I kind of wish that I did start there. That just wasn't my journey mm-hmm. um, because I'm now getting into Italian folk magic, but you know, it would have been helpful in the beginning if I did start there, but that just wasn't, that wasn't my path. My path was Hellenic paganism in the beginning. So everybody has different, you know, a different, as long as you got there kind of thing, you know? For sure. Oh yeah. It's not like a single, like straight path. Like you ask anybody what their path looks like. It's, it looks like a freaking bird's nest. Like there's, there's no one correct way. Like you're going up and down left and right. Um, I, Hades came into my life and I told him straight up, I wasn't doing death work. And he came in as my patron. He was like, okay. So I was like, I'm not doing death work, right? Because I knew that it was like, you have to talk to spirits. It's very taxing on you. And I didn't want to do it. He was like, yeah, no, no, you're not ever going to practice necromancy. And now I'm like, teaching it to other people. It's like, I live and breathe death work. It's my favorite part of my practice. Can I ask you, what is necromancy? 
Yeah, it is a very <laughs> long-winded question. I'm going to say my short answer, Ten, if you want to add. I'm just going to say it is communication with the dead. So I even say mediumship is necromancy. Mm-hmm. So necromancy, if you look up the definition, it is divination with the deceased. Yes. Necromancy itself, spark no edition, is just another umbrella term. And within necromancy, if you study, um, and since we specialize in the Greco-Roman kind of aspect of necromancy, it's any type of divination. So if you are pulling tarot with an ancestor, that is necromancy. If you are doing water scrying or fire scrying, that is necromancy. If you are trying to reanimate a corpse, of course, that's necromancy. Most people don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, if you are trying to see a deceased loved one again, that's necromancy. Mediumship, necromancy. It's anything to do with a spirit ancestor being on the other side of the spiritual plane. So it's not like deity work. It's more like... No, you can, in the Greco-Roman sense, you can um, kind of ask or call upon King Hades, uh, Pluton, to help kind of wake up that deceased. Let's say I'm trying to find my great-grandmother. I could, you know, petition him to kind of help find her because she's been dead for a while, that kind of stuff. So that's why people pat on the ground is to kind of wake up the spirits Oh, um, because they might, you know, just be asleep and they might not hear your call. So that is a form of necromancy. Okay. Interesting. I was just curious, you know, because I feel like that's like a, uh, you know, you hear a lot about like that is like a little buzzword, especially in Hollywood. I I don't know if you remember, like maybe a year or two ago, those like little shirts that kind of looked like tarot cards that were going around. That's like, let's do necromancy. And it was like supposed to be this like edgy clothing brand you know yeah. all the teens were wearing it i'm like you all the cool kids i think i'm too old like i oh. did not see that but i remember I that book sound where it was like let's you want to do necromancy in the woods i feel like that's like my vibe but people think necromancy is like you are rising the dead and you're raising an army like that's how i feel like hollywood presents necromancy and it's yeah. like it's like a zombie yeah it's just communing with them talking to your ancestors um jesus did perform necromancy when he raised lazarus <laughs> There you go. And that, when I tell my students that Jesus performed necromancy, um, if I have a lot of Catholic or Christian students, they're like, what? I was like, did, did, you, church miss, did you miss that day in Sunday school where he raises Lazarus? <laughs> well, that's not necromancy. He was just performing a miracle. Uh, it was a <laughs> miracle, miracle necromancy. Same shame. <laughs> he qualifies as necromancy. He raised somebody from the dead. I mean, <laughs> by definition. <laughs> So that's what necromancy is. But yeah, a lot of people get it twisted and we always get that question of like, what, yeah. do, I, what do I do? It's like, it's okay. It's, you, you know, it's not raising the dead. No. I promise. That is an aspect, but that's not everything it is. And I think a lot of people just kind of like latch on to like wild stories, like raising the dead or a witch is going to do X, Y, and Z. Like if you mm-hmm. read anything in the Bible about Eric though, and all of that, or who was it? Was it Solomon? somebody who like tried to do necromancy with a witch about a battle and oh the witch of endor yes thank you yeah that's a i love when i get comments what do you think about that story i think it's a bible story that's in the bible there you go what what do i think about it yeah right right (laughs) 
you can take mythology for, and the Bible is mythology, like we teach with Hellenic paganism, um, because, you know, Hades gets a really bad rep with his story with Persephone, but it was a product of its time period. So is the Bible. It's been translated so many times. It is a product of the time period. So you can't say 100% that that is what Jesus, who Jesus is. Um, It's been mistranslated, written by the patriarchy. And once again, back to our first point, like why did they leave Asherah out of the Bible? It's the same sort of notion. So that goes for all mythology period. It's not just like Hellenic paganism. It's the Bible too. Mm-hmm. Of course, paganism it's it's all of it right like mm-hmm. you have to look at it through the cultural lens that it was created yes. thank you yeah. oh my gosh we found someone like us <laughs> the cultural lens or go to the original source and if you don't know hebrew learn it like you can't sit there and be like well that's what it says it's like well that's the king james version so yeah. when did that come out oh Wait. hundreds of years ago let's go to the original source <laughs> say before that and, and it's also like if you don't if you can't learn like i mean like i'm like one of those people i'm absolutely brilliant but you've asked me to learn a language oh, no. oh god no but please if you can't learn the language that's fine they make study bibles that have like mm-hmm. i have a study bible that has the greek aramaic and hebrew translations in it it explains what each of the words yeah mean. You know what I'm saying? It's not that, or if, you know, like, you could find somebody online who knows the translation themselves and, like, start, like, creating a, a conversation with them and talk to them kind of thing. It's, like, it's really, I mean, it's hard, but it's not that hard to get to the yeah. things. You yeah, know? you just gotta dive deeper into these mythologies. Stop taking everything for face value. It's yeah. not 100%. It's definitely, it's definitely not 100%. A lot of things in the Bible specifically were um, exaggerated. If they were true, they were definitely exaggerated. I mean, like, the Exodus was... There's no archaeological record of the Exodus. And that's that's a fascinating question. And the only instance that we have in the archaeological record about the only one that are that people say, oh, there's archaeological evidence for the Exodus is in the Maranepta Stella, Mm -hmm. where Maranepta, who's the son of Ramses the second, um mentions Israel by name. Yes. And that's 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 it. That's crazy. <laughs> Only time. And Only time. It's one word. It's one hieroglyphic. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, like, did an exodus happen? Probably. But was it to the extent that the Bible describes it? We don't know. Like, honestly. Also, also Egypt is not going to be like, yeah, we lost thousands of farmers and slaves and this and that. Egypt is not going to come out and yeah. be like, yeah, this happened. No, they're not. So, like, we're not, that's why it's, like, you know, like, and that's a good point, too, for the people who are, like, complete Exodus deniers, is, like, yeah, I mean, it would make sense that they wouldn't highlight this in their record, you know what I'm saying? And no, again, 100%. Hide it, they would hit it. Um, so, that's a, that's a good point. Um, so, I think the, the only other two questions I have for you is that outside of, like, death witchery, do you practice any other type of magic? And then if you, how do you incorporate that within your death witchery if you do? Okay. Um, let's see. I practice a lot of different things. Where do I want to go with this one? I'm probably going to stick with Italian folk magic. I do, I just started learning Italian folk magic. Um, I actually appreciate being on your podcast and following you because I have a ton of religious trauma around working with Catholic divinities. So I just want to say that because I think you make it a little bit more palpable. When I came across you, I was like, this is a sign from my ancestors. Cause the day before I purchased an Italian folk magic book. And I was just like, oh, that's crazy. 
And then I was having a hard time with it because of the church and everything that's going on. And then people weaponizing religion, weaponizing Jesus Christ. Like I just never, even when I was a kid, I never believed any of it. I was like, he would never want this. Like this is, do you guys actually read his teachings? No, they don't. Um, no, no. <laughs> so I went to like Catholic school my whole life and I always just like pushed it aside. And then I came across your account and I was like, oh my God, like you can practice witchcraft in, in that space. So I'm just learning Italian folk magic. So I think later on down the line, it might be something that I incorporate into my deaf practice. Um, like I said, I work mi- mo- mostly with Ken Haiti. So if he allows that, I will absolutely Mm-hmm. maybe study that that would be really interesting that would be interesting yeah right? how that could like cross over yeah the mesh of it mm-hmm. right because I will I will say this about Catholicism I think they're way more open to the spiritual plane than I think most oh. of their Christian religion oh, yeah I feel more accepted and I grew up Catholic mm-hmm. absolutely I go to like events with my family my whole catholic family and we all like they know i'm a witch they know what i do and we're all cool i go to my old catholic church and they're like oh Vina, it's great you're here like kind of thing like i feel like since stepping into like what path god really has for me i feel like it's almost become easier for me to go to my catholic church and that Mm -hmm. like you know like and I, i feel like i can sit in these spaces and have conversations with you know my catholic family and we're all like kind of on the same page and um you know, when Paul started reaching out to me, I'd like mentioned it to one of my mom's cousins. She's Paul. like, Paul's my patron saint. I do work with him for everything. And I'm like, okay, so does he just like have a thing for our family? Like, maybe, he- yeah, maybe he's just like into your family line. Um, I but I, I find that I tend to have more open conversations, even with the priests, like performing last rites. They also perform exorcism in people's homes. Like they mm-hmm. believe in other things. Yeah. And so cleansing are comfortable with that. Yeah. Cleansing. Oh yeah. You go into a Catholic church. Actually, this is crazy. When my grandma died, I, we, we did the, the church mass for, um, for her to have like her last like mass before mm-hmm. we buried her and they were smoke cleansing the yeah, casket. My dad turned around to me. He goes, look, they're doing the incense like you do in the house. I was like, I told you the Catholic church performs their own spiritual rituals. So it's not. Yep. So the smoke comes from a verse in um, uh, Revelation where it says that the, the smoke of the incense helps their prayers go up to heaven. So by doing that and cleansing the casket with smoke, they believe it, it's helping the spirit go up to heaven easier. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. That's so fascinating. One, I had no idea about that. But two historically that makes so much more sense because early jewish people would smoke cleanse their house with sulfur as soon as an individual in their household died yeah to cleanse it and help it find its way yeah oh wow yeah i didn't know that i didn't know any of that so that's interesting why they do that in church Uh, well my dad will probably be listening to this so there you go he he wondered why they did that yeah no that's 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 why it's from from Revelation, I guess it starts in, in Ju- early Judaism is so interesting. One of my favorite things to like. It's so interesting, but also like the timelines of everything of like first temple period. Then you have the um, the exile, and then they're back in Judea, and then it's the two kingdoms, and then the second temple period, and you're just like, what is happening? <laughs> like it's so crazy. Like to get where they got, and you really see like you can almost read between the lines and see like because judy is very like a lot of archaeologists and a lot of theologians believe that judaism started as a polytheistic religion that's oh yes like the fact that's there um so it's very interesting to see how it goes from polytheism 
to like kind of like accepting of like other things, but you know, put Yahweh first to like Yahwehism strictly. And then how that snowballed, like just like out of control into Catholicism that yep. like snowballed into Presbyterianism, which can snowball into evangelicalism. Like the history of the church and religion is so fascinating in that aspect. And when I was in college, um, for my archaeology degree, you had to take a dead, a dead language, and I ended up taking biblical Hebrew. Woo. So we read the Old Testament in its original Hebrew script, and to see Genesis one, in oh yeah, Hebrew, <laughs> it's so polytheist. Like, take away the issues of who's writing it and when, mm-hmm. but when you look into it, it's saying like we're making humans in our image. It's plural gods. And I'm just like screaming at the Hebrew because I'm like, this is it. It's right here. <laughs> in English too. You read Genesis, Genesis one, it says, you know, and he said, let us make, let us make humans in our image. That like, who's our? Who's our? Right. Who is that? Like, I don't think people, who else is up there? <laughs> I don't think people actually read the Bible. I really no, don't think they study. No, 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 no. So my evangelical church, which actually did read the Bible. That's where I learned how to read the Bible. Cause I did not learn how to read the Bible in my Catholic church at all. We never touched it. Um, no, we didn't. I never learned how to read the Bible. Never. I think that's don't the joke Bible. of Catholicism is we don't have to read the Bible. You just hear the priest and the priest reads the Bible to you. But um, the way that they justify that is that that was Jesus. That was Jesus's spirit. Oh, okay. Oh, because it says like, oh, in the beginning, because in First John, it says that, or not First John, sorry, John 1, it says, in the beginning, the word was with God and the God and God was the word and he is the word. So that is insinuating that Jesus is the word. So that's how they loop that together. But kind of yeah. loophole, it's, it's a loophole. But if you go to Proverbs 8, there's a whole verse where there's these, this entity being talked about in she, her pronouns that yep. says, I was the spirit hovering over the waters while the Lord created the foundation of the earth. So Could someone get Lena a church. We got to build her a church right now because she's teaching it the right way. Let's go. But then you have like when like John is being written, when all these other canonical books are being written and canonized into text, uh, it's happening. And so many early church fathers are having this conversation at the Council of Nicaea mm-hmm. after Christianity is legalized in the fourth century CE of, okay, is Jesus the same as God is the Holy Spirit the same like how can we make it like the tripartite yeah you know entity so that's when those conversations are being had it's like whoa 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 well the Old Testament the Torah has been out for almost a thousand years at that point like it's fascinating and that's why I think because of the Torah and Tori the Torah's like one God stance I think that's the only reason why Christianity is quote-unquote monotheistic because of the Trinity but in reality in reality Christianity is so fucking polytheistic it is I always thought that it is not the same vibe like that is like even as a kid I just did not understand that I'm like (laughs) I have some questions God forbid you have a question, though. Really, God forbid. No, no, yeah. Yeah. We don't have questions. Well, that's why I got kicked out of Catholic schools, because I got a, I had too many questions, so. <laughs> okay, you were trying to learn. trying to learn. And here I am now. But, um, I think, I think that's all the questions that I have for, for you guys. Do you have anything that are you else, anything else that you would like to add before 
I don't think so. Um, I know like we're going to plan to have Lena on our podcast. So yeah, you can follow us at Sticks and Bones tonight. If you're interested more in death, we talk about death in depth. We talk about spirits, entities, the hat man, you know, yeah, paranormal. paranormal. We're really into the paranormal and like trying to explain to people what they're seeing because I feel like people see spirits and they're like, what's going on? So mm-hmm. we get yeah. it. Um, Let people know you're not crazy. Like what you're seeing and feeling is valid. Yeah. And you can work with gods and it's fine. We're all okay. Yeah. You can work with Jesus in the arcs and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like Jesus died. He was a human that died. So aren't you doing death work by working with him? Mm-hmm. I feel like he's knocking on my door. Like, I feel like a kind folk magic is like, <laughs> he's been on it. I'm like, I'm going to stand behind Michael. Michael! protect <laughs> me. But eventually Michael's just going to be like, no, you got to deal with this on your own. <laughs> But I think that's it. We had, I had so much fun. This was a really good time. This was, this was so fun. fun. This was really fun. I can't wait to record with you guys for your podcast. It's oh yeah. Really we're fun. just going to keep going off and we'll probably, it'll be, it'll be this part two. Yeah. Part two, <laughs> part two to this. Um, so I'm going to leave all of your guys' social media links in the show notes page. So go give both of them a follow and go listen to the sticks and bones podcast. Bye. Bye.